As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that vocal shouting, it's Dainer and Dave Ninemitz. It's Dainer and Dave Ninemitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growling, Pointer Jr. and Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic are here with you on a Tuesday as we get ready to bring the Seattle Seahawks to Cincinnati here this week. Or should I say, Dave, your Seattle Seahawks. When we, you know, when you first came on, we we ran down your very random, ridiculous uh, <laughs> teams that you decided to like for a number mm-hmm. of reasons. Yeah, Colorado Avalanche, San Diego Padres, mm-hmm. and the Seattle Seahawks. Because you just got to try to cover as much territory as possible. I do. You can throw the the seventy sixers in there too. Seventy sixers, yeah, yeah, right. I've got the I've got the whole nation covered. You do, you do. Um, so you're you you come from a uh, an area of knowledge with the Seattle Seahawks. But I, what I like about your fandom is it's always pretty pessimistic. <laughs> And so I feel like anybody that thinks yeah. uh, you're going to get like a, a real cheery view of what's yeah. going on anytime, it's actually usually far yeah. the opposite. I, I yeah. appreciate the pessimism. I mean, after we had optimistic Bobby on here last week who <laughs> propelled the Bengals to a win, you can always bring my sour negative attitude in. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it real, Paul. I'm going to keep it real. Should we start calling you pessimistic Davey? I'm okay with that. It's like pretty it? fitting. It's pretty fitting. <laughs> yeah, this could work. Pessimistic Davy could be here with you just to kind of uh, yeah. always bring the negative side. There's like a heat miser, cold miser thing going on there. Like the old Christmas <laughs> show. Well, it's, it's, yeah, save it for our Christmas content. Sweet. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, we got a bunch to get to today. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about some concerns, some a little bit of what's going on. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, since we spent so much time talking about offense and obviously the improvement and uh, optimism surrounding Joe Burrow after the way he played uh, on Sunday in Arizona. And, but there's, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on there. As far as some news to tick through real quick, um, a couple of injury updates still kind of in the wait and see mode on T Higgins and Chidibe Wuzier. 
you know, Cheeto uh, had the back thing that happened in practice last week uh, that kept him out. So nobody's saying anything for certain. That's going to be a wait and see guy. Uh, Same with Higgins, you know, Zach Taylor said on Monday as it got into the weekend and it kind of became clear what he'd have to play through. It was just an uncomfortable thing that he felt like he wanted to take off T's plate where T didn't feel like he had pressure to go. Just not going to ask him to do that. Um, Made easier by Trenton Irwin playing really well in his absence and seeming to fit them. So uh, I I think it maybe it makes it you'd prefer to have T Higgins, but the way Irwin played and has played, you know, with Jamar out last year and T now here in this spot, uh, I think really makes you a little more confident to say, okay, sit out the extra week, maybe with the bye week on the back end of that and really feel better about him coming back against San Francisco or otherwise known as the opposite of the Jake Browning effect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we've got, that's kind of the, the, the little bit of the news on the injury side of things. Um, Dave turf is back in the news. It's like every time we get an knee injury or an ankle injury, we're back to the turf, aren't we? Yeah, I see. We don't good do thing this is no, when, when big no, injuries happen on grass. No one like. Yeah, I was just gonna say, about. nobody ever gets hurt on grass ever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've we've. I have to look at the ACL count this year on how many have happened on grass, and and it never gets a peep. But I think the fact that it looked very much like yeah. the turf was involved in both Travis Kelsey and Justin Jefferson yesterday, that happens to be the slit film turf that's everyone's favorite topic, um, brings it a little bit back into the news. It, it, it's notable here on this podcast because uh, minute this happened in Minnesota. And if you haven't seen it, look, I mean, you can see sort of the turfy element to both of those plays and Justin Jefferson having to go on IR with a hamstring, you know, he's a superstar Kelsey same. He looks okay, but obviously another one where it's like non-contact turfy thing. Um, They have the slit film. You also have a couple other places that have the slit film, including Cincinnati, but everybody's getting it replaced by next year except Cincinnati has not had that lined up to be in place. I retweeted Katie Blackburn's comments on this. We brought them to you when Joe Burrow stated earlier this year that he would like all turf to be the same, just a uniform across the league, um, which would seem to say if it was 29 to one, that it wouldn't be uh, (laughs) what your $275 million quarterback asked for. Uh, So that said, I mean, just keep that in mind when when we'll see if that has changed. I, I you know it as things go along and you end up in a twenty nine to one spot and your quarterback says a thing and maybe the conversation evolves. Um, I I pointed out in Tennessee, I was down there filming a hit with uh, Fox nineteen, mm-hmm. and as the ownership came out, and I mean they were every single one of them. I mean from Caroline and Katie to Mike to Troy walking around, checking out their new turf, the same one that's in SoFi, looking at the little pellets. I mean, it was like a real deep analysis of what they were seeing there in Nashville. So it was noted at that point, um, and they're probably due for it sometime soon. Uh, so keep that in mind. We'll kind of we'll kind of relaunch this uh, into their, you know, we'll see if what they say. I might drop a line here and see if we get any more information, if their attitude has changed on this. Um, yeah. But if, if that conversation enters the stratosphere, just keep in mind of where it stands. 
Yeah. If only the NFL could just make a little money to be able to do these things and get yeah. it right. Yeah. Yeah. They're it's just, tough. They're just getting by. Yeah. Speak, speaking of, and I want to save this for our conversation with Mo, um, who is a season ticket holder on top of being a, you know, talk sports talk host here in the city forever. Um, season ticket prices went up dramatically as they sent those invoices out this week uh, for next year. There's a, there's a lot to get into on that topic. Nobody ever likes to see prices on things go up, particularly by big numbers. Um, so uh, there's a little bit to, to chew on there and we'll do that when we get with Mo here as a season ticket holder to kind of get some of that angle as well. Um, all right, let's, let's, I kind of want to talk into the, the, the run defense and every defense as a whole, but really all this sort of trench stuff that's going on right now, because, you know, the, the Bengals are going into a stretch of the season playing against this. I mean, these next few games, next three games against three of the best teams in the league. Uh, Nate Tice, our guy from the athletic football show tweeted this yesterday. Last night on a recap pod, Robert Mays asked if I thought the 49ers were the best team in the NFL. And I answered yes, without hesitating. I've been thinking about my top five, what it would look like. So here it goes. Niners one, Chiefs two, Eagles three, Lions four, Bills five and he mentions the next grouping of the next tier would be dolphins ravens jags seahawks cowboys well the next three opponents for the Bengals are all here including number one so seattle and that's in that second group obviously niners one bills five i mean this is you know very encouraging that burrow you feel like you're getting more of your full burrow for this run but this is a grinder spot, man. Like this is, yeah. and it's not necessarily going to get easier because um, you've got m- multiple teams still on your schedule here. Chiefs, obviously uh, you've got the Ravens again. You've got the Jaguars. This is, this is, you knew the schedule was going to be this and you can almost hear Mark Dufner. They're going to play us in the background, <laughs> but like, you know, this is going to be part of the conversation again in this little spot here when you're two and three and you're kind of up against it still. Uh, and now you've got to go through this is is going to be tough. And particularly, I mean, Dave, you know, these are teams that can run the ball really well and take advantage of missed tackles and insert Bengals biggest defensive problem here, inability to stop the run and so many missed tackles. Yeah, and the Seahawks are going to be a great test of it. That's, if nothing else, Pete Carroll is stubborn in how he does things, and his whole offense is always predicated on pounding the ball and setting up play action for the big hits. And Kenneth Walker looks good. And that offensive line, which is banged up, looks good. So they're going to, the Bengals are going to have to step up. And as much as, like you said, you've got kind of the Burrow mojo back, he's looking like the old Burrow. Don't you feel like you still have to take some pressure off of him? I mean, we've been waiting for the defense to step up, and outside of that Rams game, we haven't seen a lot of it. Yeah. So, you know, I think you just continue to put pressure on him to carry the load, and I don't think you quite want to do that yet. No. Here, So let's – to kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, I saw a, a great tweet the other day from someone that was uh, – it was says he sets the scene – podcaster comes back from vacation looks at 
three suitcases and says, we've got a lot to unpack here. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, this always happens, right? But there's a lot to unpack here, Dave, uh, about why this is happening. What What is going on? So specifically, you know, some of the comments from Lou Anarumo, who, you know, in traveling back from Arizona, we didn't get our normal coordinator spot on Monday, but, you know, he talked on Bengals line and we'll talk to him later this week. Talked again about missed tackles, um, which was a big part of what happened in Arizona. And we've, we've seen it. You've got the Bengals averaging 10 missed tackles per game per PFF charting right now. Um, that average last year was 5.9. In 2021, it was 8.2. I mean, four more missed tackles per game right now. Mm. Okay. Which is a, a lot. And when you consider specifically the next step of that which is they're just they're really having they're okay in overall kind of success they're below average in success percentage they're not where they want to be but it's okay it's kind of where they've been where as a whole they're not letting too many you know the the average ones are there's enough of those the problem is there's a this extra small percentage that's getting out on them because of probably four missed tackles per game where a run yeah. that would have been five ends up being 15 or 20 or gets out the backside. Another play that's kind of busted that gets taken for a long run against Arizona, you know, the, the Rondale Moore where mm-hmm. they're unable to make the play and he's just zooming off into space. We've seen that now a couple of times. I mean, you don't think teams are going to keep trying that. It's all Kyle Shanahan does, okay? Like, is put you in <laughs> spots where you have guys zooming into space and you got to make that tackle. Christian McCaffrey has owned people on that stuff. I mean, this is what's coming. And and Lou sort of talked about, we just have to, almost blamed himself. I got to stop saying we stopped this many of the runs, but it all came on two or three of them. Yeah. That's what happened. You know, two long runs basically against Arizona kills you and you end up having 6.5 yards per carry Yeah, for the Cardinals there uh, because of mainly because of those two. So that it's just something that has, has to get fixed. And how do you do that? I mean, you just got to get better at it. And, and maybe that's a personnel change. I don't know what that is. Yeah. What is the personnel change at this point? And that, is the problem does the problem feel like it's in the in the defensive front does it feel like it's in the linebackers does it feel like it's in the secondary or are we just seeing something that's a plague throughout the defense right now yeah so when going when you look at yeah i went through and looked at all the dbs corners and safeties uh with at least 250 snaps this year in the league uh there's 90 of them and looked at where all the Bengals ranked and missed tackle percentage amongst those. Uh, Mike Hilton tied for first, 33%. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt, 13th. Mm. Nick Scott, 35th. Dax Hill, 61st. Um, you have a couple outside of the minimum there. DJ Turney only has one missed tackle. Chidabe Awuzie has two. Um, so when, you know, Hilton, I... Hilton being in that mix of this conversation, I can sort of let go because he makes a lot of stops. He's in the backfield a lot. Those are yeah. tough plays. Like you're kind of going for it or you're not. Um, and and you can get a lot of big plays off of that. And he has in the past. And generally, I mean, I, I 
I'm going to want to see a bigger sample sample size on Hilton to start make considering him, you know, part of the problem or whatever. Uh, but I would say when you're talking about, okay, Cam Taylor Britt, like that's, that's supposed to be a specialty of his. He's he's got to yeah. get better. Nick Scott is is a part of the reason we're seeing more Jordan battle because Luana Rumo's sick of seeing Nick Scott miss tackles. I mean, all that stuff um, is is something that ha- can't has to be has to be looked at where this is coming from. Yeah, yeah. I, it seems like Nick Scott, who rated lower on that list, but it seems like he has some of the more glaring ones. At least yeah. when you're watching the game, it seems like you're like, oh, dear God, Nick Scott, what have you done? I just look at that James Conner run in the last game, and I don't know if Scott was responsible for that, but they were making James Conner look like Barry Sanders out there. And they actually maybe got a little fortunate he got hurt because he was running pretty well on them. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't tell Britt's the one that surprises me the most, though. I mean, I we've seen him just rock people before. So you would hope that he's a pretty sure tackler, but uh, no, that's that's not great. This is not big hit percentage, though. You right. know this, is, and right. that's really the thing. Like it's not about the ones that you come. It's like you just got to be a little more sure on that stuff. And that's something. The, the other side of it is, I mentioned the Hilton aspect. It's not just that you're getting this small percentage that are getting out. They're not getting the small percentage that are big TFLs for them that stuff drives and put teams in yeah. bad spots. They actually rank 32nd in the league in percentage of runs that have gone for zero or negative yards, only 13.8%, an area where they were middle of the pack last year at 16th. Yeah. Um, and then their percentage of runs that have gone for 10 plus, they're 31st in the league at 17.2%. Last year, they were 24th overall at 10 percent i mean these are they're overall like expected points against and success percentage and stuff like that it's in the in the low 20s it's not great but it's livable Mm -hmm. we talked about how so much of their success has been predicated on red zone and goal to go which has not been as good as it had been in the past how sustainable that is uh but i do think it's really just not letting those few plays get out. And now you're about to face three teams that are really good at making sure those plays get out. Yeah. Um, and I think that is one that when you talk about areas for concern, you've got to think a lot about, and you can have that same conversation and we will about where the Bengals run offense is at do our annual trek into talking about Joe Mixon versus light boxes that we do like every early <laughs> October. Uh, and so we'll, and we'll do that. We'll get through that as the week goes on. But really, I, I think that's, you know, w- when I think of what concerns you about not just long-term, but this particular stretch that's ahead of them right now, mm-hmm. um, Boy, that's that's front and center, and that's something that Lou Anarumo and that defense has to get fixed. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's shift over now that our good friend from ESPN 1530, Mo Ager, is here. Uh, Let's... Let's let let's bring Mo in here with us. We're talk, I want to talk about areas of concern. Uh, I've got we've got we got a lot to get to uh, with you, Mo. How are we doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? Not much. Not much. I've I've got I, I've spent a little bit of time here, kind of talking about the run defense and and some of the numbers on it. It's really something you can just watch and say, why do runs keep going for so long? Like you don't necessarily need a chart for this. Sometimes it's just like you can see it. It's a real eye test thing. It looks different there's all of a sudden these things that are happening that haven't been there before. You know, uh, I, when I'm, I go to the games at home and I sit in the stands and then, you know, when they, uh, when they're on the road, I'll, I'll go to an establishment and the, the amount of time you hear somebody yelling, get them, get them has gone up exponentially. And so that to me is the, the statistic. That's the, the metric yeah. that I use the last couple of years. There haven't been a lot of get them um, this year. Anytime there's a handoff for a running play, you just everybody in unison. There's this like gasp and get get them, get them. So you could you could get out your run fits charts. You could get yeah. out your yeah. yards per whatever. Here's what I know: when I watch the Bengals now, everybody much more so than in recent years is yelling almost in unison, "Get them!" Yeah, uh, sir, oh, I'm, I'm searching PFF right now for the get them index. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, they're at a very they're thirty. 30th in the league in the get them index right now. Right. So not yeah. good. Not good. Um, <laughs> before we dive into a few concerns, I want to have the season ticket holder conversation with you as a season ticket holder. Um, it, it's I don't like getting into how other people want to spend their money and mm-hmm. the economics of football. Um, but look, People that are most people, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, they're sitting here staring at their invoices, hmm. trying to wonder why it went up so much and and consider if that's OK, how they feel about it. And I'm curious for you as a season ticket holder, when you see, you know, a, a big number and, you know, we've seen a, a range of what people have said exactly they are. It depends on your section and your seat, mm-hmm. but, you know, as high from 100 to 500, you know, dollars per ticket. Uh, for the year you're seeing these go up, which is a, a, a one of the biggest we've seen. What what do you what goes? What was your opinion when you when you kind of see see that? Been bracing for it. I don't yeah. like it. I don't I don't like it for me. I don't like it for uh, the people I have season tickets with. I don't like it for others. Um, been bracing for it. This is just this is reality. Uh, there's a demand for these tickets, and if I'm not going to renew, chances are if the team is. Still as good as we expect them to be. Somebody else will take them. You know, for me, I've I've had to have conversations about, okay, am I going to go to every single game? Right. Am I going to am I going to go to every single game or am I going to choose five or six and spend my money on those and sell the rest or, you know, uh let somebody else use them, that sort of thing. Uh, I I have a feeling that there are a lot of conversations like that where folks still want to be season ticket holders, but they look at the increase and go, okay, there might be a game or two that I sit out. In order to manage this, I can go to most of the games, I can get my Bengals fixed, but but maybe instead of going to all eight or all nine, I'm going to go to six. That's, that's kind of where I've gotten, but if you're surprised by this, how? 
I, I mean, <laughs> there's there's a demand for these tickets that didn't exist four years ago, right? There's a waiting list. The, the team is, the games are are events that everybody wants a part of. Also, um, you know, they've they've got a quarterback making two hundred and seventy five million dollars, and I know. You know how the NFL divides the money up doesn't necessarily mean, well, Joe's going to get all that money. But but still, I mean, this is also the price of everything is going up. So why would football tickets be exempt? Yeah. And by, by the way, the, the Reds just raised tickets as well. Ticket prices as well. Now, it's per game, obviously, a lot different. The price of everything is going up. Uh, and so I'm sure more modern economic realities have more people considering, okay, can I keep doing this? Or do I just go to one or two games? Um, or do I invest all my money in a road trip? That sort of thing. But, but for me, you know, we've talked about it. It's, it's just been something we've been bracing for now for a while. And then I don't, I don't know that anybody who got their invoice, you know, there's always maybe some in, inevitable sticker shock, but if, if you've been paying attention, how, how are you really surprised? I hate it, but how are you surprised by this? Yeah, according to the uh, Statista Research Service, Bengals' second lowest average ticket price last year in the league um, next to Jacksonville and the Los Angeles Chargers at the bottom. And 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 so that that's fine. And then but what I want to point out, look, I learned in in a number of economics the 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 minimum requirement i needed for graduation in college of my economics classes that i took and kind of slept through basically um <laughs> there was and i need and i knew i could do that because there's the same answer to every single economics question at its core supply and demand all you got to yeah. do is say supply and demand figure out some way to work supply and demand in your answer to any economics question and it's correct and this and this is the thing here this is not a market thing okay because look the los angeles chargers yeah uh, are down here at the bottom okay arizona's down here i mean i just just in phoenix it's massive Mm -hmm. okay and at the top green bay packers are up here well that's not a big market (laughs) supply (laughs) and demand wait lists things that people want to go to that dictates the Bengals needed to be more in line because they are a different product, as you said. And so that's where this comes from. It stinks. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you hate that. But this is the other side of them being great and having this mass appeal right now in this city and being an exciting product. When the demand changes, the price changes. I'm not I'm not excusing it. Um necessarily because it's a lot i mean it's a lot to go up but again if you don't want to pay it no one's making you right if that's what they want that's where they found the market analysis of where these these products uh can be can be and you you'd maybe like to see something for more older ticket members or legacy Mm -hmm. type deals Mm -hmm. involved in this i know they got rid of the lux club program that also includes like $50 $50 in free concessions attached to every single ticket that that's gone. Mm-hmm. You, maybe you'd like to see that type of stuff continue. I, you know, some people like that stuff. Some people don't. So it's all hearsay. I'm not out there. I'm not trying to say it, but I mean, there's, there's something where it's like, look, the demand for this product dictates that it, that it goes up and, and that's why it happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's economics 101, which I did not take. 
at the no. University of Dayton <laughs> to be a comm major. But no, it, it, it's it's economics 101. And, and you know, look, I, I could assure you that if if the Bengals uh, turn in a couple of seasons where they're among the worst in the NFL and people stop going, the, the ticket prices might not plummet to their, you know, pre 2021 levels, but but they're going to come down and then you'll start to see you know, individual game packages and, and promotions and, and things that entice you to get to buy, to, to come buy tickets. Those things, frankly, are not needed right now. They're, they're just not. And, and again, I hate it. I, I, I hate it, but I'll at least acknowledge this. This isn't like the mid nineties when, you know, they would wrap up a three and 13 season. And then that day announced prices are going up. Mm-hmm. They have given you, a little time to brace for it. Next season starts in 10 months, but yeah, yeah it stinks. It, it stinks I, I, from, but look at concert tickets. Uh, look, I mean, again, look at the, the price of, of everything is, is just absurd relative to, you know, what things were like just a few years ago. And, and so football tickets to me are going to be the same. Also the, uh, the, atmosphere and game days are very different than they were a few years ago for the bank no question. credit credit to them for that for investing in that and and making it a priority um and i do feel like people they feel that people are getting more for what they're paying for certainly than they were and your bang for the buck is better uh but i'll i'll bury that debate because i don't i don't want to go that much I, further. I, I also i also think <clears throat> just being a, an nfl fan now so like all right, you know, if they play on Thursday, now I got to buy Amazon. And if I want to watch that playoff game later in the year, I got to get Peacock. And the, the price of travel is so much more. So if I want to go see my favorite team on the road, and and if I, boy, if I want to buy my kid a, a Jamar Chase jersey, now that costs so much more money. Like, it, it, I, I think that just the cost of being a sports fan is, it's not just buying tickets. You know, it's 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 not like they lower the, the price of concessions, <clears throat> when they raise ticket prices to, to offset it. And so it just, it's becoming for, for a fan who wants to make a certain time an emotional investment. There are a lot of folks who could afford to do it all. There are some who I wonder if they're going, okay, you know what? I'm going to get the season tickets, but I'm not going to take my one road trip per year, or I'm not going to get season tickets, but instead I'll buy NFL Sunday ticket. And then I'll have Peacock and I'll have Amazon. So I could watch as many NFL games as possible i just think that the the overall cost of of being a a fan has has dramatically gone up and and it's it it, it, at the end of the day it makes the the games themselves the sports themselves a little less accessible for a lot of people yeah and and maybe they'll become the the seller themselves say okay i'm gonna get these ticket packages but i'm gonna sell two of them now and guess what now you get to enjoy how expensive they are (laughs) and when you try to sell them to make it up on the other side we we have we we have friends of ours who sell their steelers tickets Mm -hmm. and if there's more than one primetime game a primetime game and and by the way don't care who they sell them to and that pays for a huge chunk of the other six or seven games they go to yep uh let's talk about what's happening on the field right now um We've we've discussed enough and we've heard enough talk about look what, what Joe Burrow looked like changes the feeling around this season. It, it feels like, you know, Superman's got his cape back a little bit um, and, and, and they hope that they're out of the woods on the calf and the conversation there. And, and I think there's, you know, reason to feel that way um, and, and everything feels better 
uh, for this team's hopes when you have that. But let's talk about what could derail that and what he's having to overcome. Give me your top three long-term concerns right now. And I kind of, I kind of addressed my maybe number one, which is sort of this run defense um, off the jump. What what are your top three long-term concerns for where this team is currently stationed? So eavesdropping on your, your conversation about run defense, I have three different ones. One relates to what you just talked about. So Joe looked pretty damn comfortable against the Cardinals. My fear is that maybe he starts to feel a little too comfortable, right? And starts to do things that maybe he shouldn't be quite doing yet. I went out with a girl once Uh-oh. and I'm feeling pretty good. And then like <laughs> five or six dates in, we're hanging out at her place. And can I just, I farted. Yeah. Okay. And just Right. And I just, yeah. I, I wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that, but I felt like, and you know what? She looked at me and it was like, oh boy, we're not there yet. I can't do that. So my, here's my fear. <laughs> Joe's feeling good. Hey, he's, but he feels better than he actually is and tries to do maybe just a little bit too much. I know there's going to be a lot of folks who don't want to hear that because we want to see what we saw on Sunday and go, okay, one more week and then the buy and then he's good. And, and hopefully that's the case. And my guess is reality looks more like that, but I just, you know, we've, we've, most of us, at least we've, we've had a cold, we've had an injury, we've done something, we've extended ourselves and we've cleared a hurdle. And now we think we're a hundred percent and we're not. And so there's, as I, as I sort of digested what everybody was writing and saying after Sunday, I thought, okay, chances are he's not yet 100%, guys. And, and there's at least a sliver of, of a possibility that when they come back to play San Francisco, he's not quite yet 100%. And, yeah, he looked good, and he can cut it loose more than he did, but is he starting to feel maybe just a little bit too confident? Um, I'd be lying to you if I told you I wasn't at least a little bit concerned about that. Jamar Chase and the two victories the Bengals uh, have this year – has been otherworldly, 27 catches for 333 yards. He's always open. It's awesome. Is that the offense? Uh, it, it, and it, it should be a big part of the offense. Is that the entirety of the offense? Fair question. They're not ever going to be a great running team. T. Higgins' start to the season has been miserable. They're kind of thin at wide receiver right now. Uh, I don't know who the tight end is. Uh, we'll get to the offensive line here in a second. Like, Okay, is, is Jamar to win games? Are they going to have to throw to Jamar Chase and have him catch 13 and a half passes per game? Uh, sometimes that might work. There's probably going to be a game against a good opponent where they go, screw that, man. Beat us some other way. Now, maybe Joe Burrow can do that. And maybe their offense will start to function better now that he's healthy ish. Uh, and somebody else can step up and make plays. But as great as Sunday was, and, and Jamar Chase was absurdly good. It tells you how great this guy is. That's not even the best game I've seen him play. Uh, he was absurdly good in moments where his team demanded it. But, okay, is it going to be all Jamar all the time? Because then suddenly they strike me as kind of easier to defend. And that, that kind of concerns me. And then the big one for me, more than anything else, the, the more things change, the more things stay the same. We're worrying about the offensive line. Uh, you know, okay, well, we spent money on it and we moved Jonah Williams over and well, it, 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 we're, we're still wondering about this offensive line. And it, it feels like the, the perpetual concern of any Bengals fan, you wake up any given day, what's the biggest issue? Can they block? Can they block up front? Can they keep Joe upright? Can they be more effective opening up holes in the running game? Um, 
it's still over the course of the season when their depth gets tested or as uh, those guys fail to block as, as well as we would think, what kind of peril is Joe put in? How much this, how much does, this, how much does this offense um, get its tires cut because they can't stop uh, opposing pass rushers. And, and, and I, I until I see a, a substantial amount of, um, evidence otherwise, I'm, I'm just going to assume that not only is the offensive line not going to be a major strength, but they might have to win a bunch of, of really important games in spite of it yet again. And that's that was something that I, I really was hoping that by now I wouldn't be worried about. Jamar Chase is currently ninth amongst receivers in you know targets per route, you know, mm-hmm. and and that he's up around 28 percent. Um, which is a high number for, of course, it was it was a thirty nine percent against Arizona. <laughs> uh, but but you're right. I mean, look at it. His two highest games this year by a long shot. I mean, he's at thirty nine percent against Arizona. He's at twenty nine percent in the win against uh, the Rams. And and those are those are big numbers for him when you consider his his average you know, year over year and you need, you, you do want to see more. It shouldn't just come down. But some, sometimes that's, that's the way it goes for, for reference last year, he was at 26%. So it's, it's a slight uptick, almost all based on this Arizona game where they just leaned into the fact that Arizona has no one that can cover him. Mm -hmm. So keep finding ways that they force anyone to try to, Um, I I think it can be a little bit anecdotal. And yeah. the strategy worked, and the strategy was the right strategy. I'm I'm never going to take issue with throwing the ball to Jamar Chase ever. Yes, but but you know can we always talk about like one dimensional offenses or complementary receivers or you know whatever other things you have to do? Uh, I have no issue as a general rule leaning on Jamar Chase. Why would you? But could there be a game? Could there be an instance where that's just not there? Well, then what else is there? And for this year's team. The answer is sort of unknown. Now, part of that is injury. Joe's injury, T. Higgins' injury, the, the overall composition of the team. But but right now, if I say, you know, this week against Seattle, they, they're going to figure out a way to take Jamar Chase out of the equation, which I don't know that they can do, but they're going to take Jamar Chase out of the equation. Oftentimes, over the last couple of years, there's been, okay, there's been a response to that. What's this team's response to that? Yeah. I don't know. Which Which, you know, brings me to this this topic that we've been talking about a lot which is you know the the running game just has to deliver more and it's it's easy to say coming off a game where the most notable aspect of the running game was four straight runs uh <laughs> in goal to go situation that don't get it get it in there uh but this has been something that we've been talking about since the very beginning of this season and that is Look, I, I love pinning down coaches early in their tenure to what numbers matter to them most. Mm-hmm. So that way, over the course of said tenure, we can go back to them as a landmark of success <laughs> or failure. Right. The Bengals care about efficiency percentage. They want successful runs that keep you on track. Okay. And they want a small amount of negative and they're currently not very good in that area. You know, they're in the bottom portion of the league in success percentage and though that's why they felt like their run game was so good from week five on last year because they were at the top of the league in efficiency they were getting the numbers they wanted um and they had a low amount of negative there's there's still not a huge amount of negative but their efficiency isn't good 
And, and you're not getting enough of those right now, whether that's on the line, whether that's on the back. I, that's a concern. We talk about what's what's next. What's the other? There's got to be some th- uh, more threat there. Um, and, you know, I thought what Trent Nerwin gave you the other day was nice as an as another mm-hmm. really almost an extension of the run game where he was catching all those underneath passes that are yeah. wide open. And that's that's great. But you, you do need to feel more comfortable handing the ball off and feeling like this can get me five consistently more so than having to throw underneath uh, to get five is is the way that you do it. As long as you get five, it's fine. Yes. But you just bring so many other things into play when you're constantly having to lean on uh, Burrow to make those plays. Well, and what's so interesting about how the, the running back thing is played out is relative to the, the offseason discussion uh, about Joe Mixon, he's like their only running back. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> and so uh, it's not so much a concern. It's just I'm curious is this how it's going to play out all season? You know, last year you talk about what they did good and bad running the football. Well, they had Samaj P. Ryan. And oh, this is an important role, the Samaj P. Ryan dude. Okay. He's, you know, he closes out the game against the Jets. He has two good performances when Joe went into the protocol. Um, he was the the passing downs guy. He was the two minute guy. Well, who's who's replaced him? I mean, yeah. all I've seen from Trayvon Williams is Joe Burrow yelling at him. Uh Chase Brown, I guess, plays for the Bengals, and same for Chris Evans. So it's it's just it's interesting. And so, okay, well, running backs uh, they get hurt a lot. What ha- if Joe? If something happens to Joe Mixon, what what? I guess is it Chase Brown? Is it Travion Williams? And is anybody ever going to form into the Samaj P. Ryan role, or does that role just not exist anymore? Um, but it really is fascinating to me relative to how much we've talked about that position and Joe specifically. The, the running back group is basically Joe Mixon and nobody else. Yeah. Uh, Mixon, as far as rushing yards over expectation percentage this year, is right on the edge of the top 10, um, and, and, which would suggest maybe, okay, it's it's not really Joe here. Um, mm-hmm. There's I think there's examples of that, and this is a broad brushing number. But uh, but I I do think that it's 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 a that's always going to be a combination with the run game stuff. It's going to be a combination mm-hmm. of of play call and you know what you're getting from your line up front. But I just it felt like they had a handle on this. Why is it every year the run game needs to be reimagined? <laughs> it's, it feels that way. Where every year it's like, oh, you know what? Got to change the structure. Now what are they going to do? Go back to outside zone? We're gonna. Ditch the down. I thought they knew who their guys were and they got guys to fit it. And you still have mixed there's, it doesn't make sense that it's still that all of a sudden you're, you're lacking in efficiency and okay, I'm going to hear about game situation and this, that, or the other, but it's at a certain point in, in most game situations, you need to be able to hit that efficiency number, which is what they're asking for. And it's just not happening enough. That's a, a concern for me. You know me what you don't, me. what you don't get a lot with the Bengals running game where the other fans yelling, get them. Get get him! (laughs) Need more of that. Need more of that. Get him index. Not so good. That's right. Um, All right. Before I let you go, Mo, I I I do want need to discuss something that Mm -hmm. is in the news here in Cincinnati this weekend. Um, I I made sure to give you advance warning this time, uh, rather than we did with the iHeart NBC News (laughs) video from a couple (laughs) weeks ago that you I got to see you watch live. Makes for great podcast and radio, but uh, I sent you this. It was uh, apparently 
there was a pretty dramatic fireball in the sky this weekend. Yeah. Uh, over the air in Cincinnati. And it was very much, um, how should I word this? Celebrated uh, in, in, in by local media. And it just, it kind of made me concerned about why people are, again, it kind of, it takes us right back to the alien conversation. I'm not saying this was a spaceship uh, that was firing through our atmosphere very close, but we don't know that. And there was a fireball really close to our earth and people are seemingly excited about it. And I don't think that it's a reason for happiness. Do you share my level of concern? 100%. There's either excitement or nonchalance and I understand neither. So you sent me this, uh, this tweet here from uh, John gum from a uh, channel 12 who sent a video taken by someone named Timothy Rawl. likely a meteor. It was seen uh, far and wide from North of Indianapolis to South of Bowling Green, Kentucky to North of, of Greenville, Ohio, pretty large geographic swath of space, right? On a Saturday night, much of that area rural. So you could see the fireball streaking through the sky. And we all just shrugged our shoulders and went back to watching college football. This is, I didn't see it. I didn't, had I seen it, I would have texted you and it would have been emergency podcast time because (laughs) I would have wanted to talk about this in real time. If they say it was a meteor, it was a meteor. All I know, man, is if I see that streaking through the sky, I've got a lot of questions. And the fact that we're calling them fireballs, like we're just, (laughs) what was that? Oh, it was a fireball. You want to do standard fireball? Like, what are we doing? It's we're so, we're, we're so it just feels like we're so close to Armageddon and I mean like the movie where we've got to send Bruce Willis up to try to stop something right you we're know so, we're so desensitized we have fireballs climbing through the sky in the Midwest and no one cares no no one cares do we I'm, I'm glad I didn't see this in in real time because I I would have lost it would have been like when the space train flew over my house a couple of weeks ago <laughs> would have lost my mind so are we sure we're definitely sure it's it couldn't have been an alien craft that went that tried to enter our atmosphere you can't say went, it's not we can't on, say it's based on mexican congressional testimony no you can't <laughs> say it's not by the way the first response is from a guy named dave paprocki yeah we were camping with friends and our kids saw it perfectly it was awesome awesome that's awesome to you your definition of awesome is different than mine my friend no. Yeah, I mean, based on what we know, right? We we've, we've had we've had again, what was it? Biological not biological remains, but the biological evidence of yeah. aliens. That yeah. that is that is now a thing. That yeah. that is in the congressional record. That's yes. a thing. We got fireball streaking through and we just eh, okay. I went yeah, Gonna go inside. Uh, I'm cons- I mean, doing? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just digging until I can have a bunker underground. If I, if I see that, probably is probably my first reaction. But it's okay. I'm glad. I'm glad everyone got to see the fireball that nearly hit our Earth. Uh, come by. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure we we talked in that so we can continue to be the source for potentially uh, extraterrestrial activity or you know concerning. The thing is, the thing is immense too, man. It, it is, it yes. is ginormous. Yes. Congratulations to a Timothy Rawl for. I mean, here's the thing, right? John Gum tweeted this exactly two reposts, two. <laughs> right? No, no, not even a. Uh, have you seen this? Right. You know, like is, by, is this an now, issue, or like by, maybe a forward to our government somewhere, like at POTUS. 
right? by, by noted, comparison, noted. by comparison, during the game on Sunday, I tweeted Jamar Chase has been spectacular. Not exactly groundbreaking analysis. OK, <laughs> I mean, not 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 exactly like Chris Collinsworth sort of stuff there. Right. Just stating the absolute obvious. That's all I did. And I, I'm trying to like pull it up here. I know it did well because my, my phone started losing its mind. Uh, hang on. Jamar Chase has been. Uh, yeah, that got like 100 reposts. You're <laughs> stating the obvious. I might as well have not even tweeted. Right. I, I mean, I, I just might as well have you know, water's wet. Right. Wow, Mo. Thanks. Thanks for chiming in there. Big football brain. No, fireball two reposts. Where are our priorities? <laughs> I don't know, but I look forward to discussing them uh, more with you uh, this afternoon. ESPN fifteen thirty from three to six. You'll be at the Moreland Logger House. Uh, everybody, make sure they tune into that, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, I look buddy. forward to it. Thank you. See you, man. See you. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, there is uh, Mo Eger, ESPN 1530. I had to make sure, Dave, that we get our our I, weekly you know, conversation about things that are happening potentially. I just worry that you and Mo are asking too many questions. Like <laughs> you, you may have some sort of dark-windowed black vehicles coming to your house. And I honestly, I don't care if they take you and Mo away, except I don't want to do this podcast by myself. <laughs> Because I'm negative, Davy. I don't. Yeah, it can't be just me. So maybe, maybe pipe down a little bit on this. You're maybe yeah. uh, pushing a few too many buttons. Just let it go. Pessimistic, Davy. What did I say? Negative, Davy. Well, negative. It's all. No, I mean it's all. It's, it's all, all the same. But it. But to fit our paradigm. I know construction here. Okay. You know. That's what it's about. Uh, I just want to make sure we have it right. Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of, let's 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 move on. I, I want to get into some results uh, from last week, and that would involve the Bengals growler bet, uh, which we pointed out. You know, this rushing yards per carry number of the Cardinals was going to be an important one to determining this game. Uh, it ended up being six point five, um, <laughs> which was. Uh, Far above what the vast majority of you, which also included some pessimistic Davies amongst you, uh, could have even fathomed. And so almost everyone was was well below this, um, including, I'm guessing, the Bengals staff probably would have thought it would have been below that. Uh, but that was the number. 6.5. Guess what, Dave? We have... A winner. We have a winner. Unbelievable. Yeah. Firing a shot through the Twitter sphere at Fultonator drops in the six five. Congratulations to you. I mean, he's a, a a longtime contributor. I've we've seen we've seen his name many times. In fact, I think I've probably referenced him before. Uh, I know I've answered mailbag questions. So shout out to to the Fultonator. Uh, Hit me up with your uh, info, and we'll get you hooked up with your next trip 
to a, one of our live shows at 50 West for some delicious 50 West beer. But, but before I do that, I want to make sure that I do give a quick credit to a, my two favorite email <laughs> subject header submissions from this week. Uh, Justin Garten says, I'm always fucking open. Excuse my growler. Which I which I which I appreciate it. Topical. Play, very topical. Topical playing off Jamar Chase's comments from the previous week. And uh, having just been out to Arizona, shout out to Mark Grace. Sure, it's 95 outside, but it's a dry growler. So shout out to Mark. <laughs> uh well done uh hinting into the Arizona heat. I agree. It is a dry heat. I'm an it's a dry heat guy, Dave. It really is. It's hot, but it does feel different. It is a dry growler. I'm just saying, I, it, I, I'm, I'm team. It is a dry heat. Yeah, I just know I was standing on a street corner in Vegas once, and everybody was kind of tap dancing because it was so hot because the heat was coming through our shoes. So hot uh, is hot. Maybe you were just in the middle of a flash mob. Yeah, you're right. That was. Va- I mean, in Vegas, on a, everyone's tap dancing <laughs> around you on a corner. What else could it be? I am just oblivious enough to not realize if I'm in a flash mob. So oh, I, I think thought you... it was because of our shoes <laughs> on the heat. Oh, you guys are. Oh, you're on the internet. No, you're right. The TikTok. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that is a uh, Bengals growler bet. We'll have uh, another growler bet for you leading up to the Seattle game as well. Uh, I want to wrap this up with Arby's. All right. So I have two. Two Arby's. One is more bangly and one is more road trippy, Dave. Um, the first, and, and I tweeted this out um, after the game. You know, everybody that saw the miscommunication where Travion Williams uh, didn't see or hear the audible uh, for him to take the football <laughs> from mm-hmm. Joe Burrow. Um, you know, afterwards, uh, we're standing there down there in the tunnel and you see Travion and Joe Burrow walking next to each other and Burrow kind of puts his arm around them as they're walking off and you can see him talking uh, and they walk next to each other almost the entire way back to the locker room. I, I think that says something about Burrow who had a big reaction um, to Travion messing that up. And I think, you know, hey, things happen out there. We might yell at each other and it might be very public, but arm around you. You're still my guy. We're good here. Let's talk through this after the moment. And I mean, Burrow could have maybe walked off the field with, say, the guy he threw 15 passes to <laughs> for 192 yards or, you know, one of his offensive linemen that has helped protect him through all this stuff or any number of people. There he was specifically walking with Travion really kind of by themselves the whole way I think tells you a little bit about leadership style and, and, and kind of the way that that was handled. So I, it was just a, a note from the tunnel, if you will, uh, after the game. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's a credit to his awareness to be as a competitive a guy as he is to not make that a bigger thing than it was. So that was pretty cool. Well, and I don't know, he might've put his arm around him and leaned in real <laughs> tight and just, said, if you ever, <laughs> screw that up again i will have you cut so fast like i do we don't know but it certainly looked yeah he made for good optics it's all about the optics so he <laughs> he he at least uh put the fire out from a, a an optical standpoint yeah yeah they've been threatening his life we don't know yeah we we don't know you think you know but you have no idea uh <laughs> okay so uh the other one uh i have is i want to give a shout out 
to a couple other media members. And you've probably heard me say things like this before, but I want to shout out Jeremy Rao and Joe Daneman, my guys at Fox 19. These guys are the hardest working dudes in show business. I'm having a sad experience. I was the last one in the press box because, you know, I'm here for you people <laughs> trying to get the extra details in a little, a little more nuance to the story. Maybe, maybe tweak a few sentences to make them feel prettier. <laughs> you know, me uh, flip one last phrase at midnight, right? Dave loves that. <laughs> yeah. When it's trying to make it last here. a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah. Uh, but at, so I'm walking out to my car in the darkness of a, Empty parking lots everywhere. And I just see a light off in the distance across the street. What is this? It's Joe and Jeremy. Just filing live hit after live hit from the empty parking lot. One that they were at before anybody else that day. One that they did a show from three to four. They came up to the press box just to interview me at one point before the game, which they got to find somebody else. I'm just not that interesting, but. <laughs> I got so much love for these guys. They're sitting there and they're they're doing it. And they say, well, we got we got one more big big Bengals show we still have to do. And this is what I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to eat and feeling really hungry. And I was like, well, I guess I'll see you guys. Yeah, we'll be back there tomorrow. We're taking the red eye after this so that <laughs> we can make sure we're back for everything tomorrow. And I, I did my best to get back. We had a little delay on the way out and I couldn't make it all the way back uh, in time for Zach Taylor's press conference just because it was impo- it's impossible to get back. I mean, my flight was at six in the morning and it still wasn't back in time for the <laughs> four o'clock press conference. You had to basically do the red eye, which is just demoralizing for the entire week. But they're like, look, it's, they were going through it. And uh, I just, I, and the same stuff was happening. They went down to Tennessee at one point, if the reds were still in it, Joe was going to go from St. Louis over to Tennessee to make sure they caught all of, I mean, it was just, it's their work ethic is just ridiculous. I hope all of you appreciate it uh, and send them love for everything that they bring to you guys. Cause those guys are out there. They were mm-hmm. 1130 Friday night. They were doing high school football highlights. It's like yep. they're everywhere and it's both of them all the time. Yes. I'm starting to think maybe that fireball in the sky, it could have been them. Yes. They were just, <laughs> just trying to get home in time for open locker room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only way we can do it is if we ride the meteor, <laughs> our bosses say it's okay. Go ahead. Uh, Don't even have to clear that with HR. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it. So shout out to Joe and Jeremy. Hope you guys watch Fox 19. They're the best. Uh, All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will talk to you next time here on Hear That Podcast Ground. Have a good one, everybody.